Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, Major League Rugby Talk with owners from Rooney and New England and Derek Lipscomb and Steve Lewis. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub, and Lean and Limber, stretch your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy and Steve Lewis joined in the studio in this version of Rugby Wrap-Up's Major League Rugby Edition with none other than the two craziest individuals on the face of the earth outside of the current uh, craziest person in Major League Rugby, James Kennedy. We have two partners that are joining him in the ownership team. We have Mr. Guy Bolton. How are you? And Mr. Ben Young. Thanks for having us. And of course, we have just back from his... uh, Mission in Jamaica, coaching the Jamaican Sevens team, Stephen Lewis. Stephen. Good to be back. 60 degrees colder than this morning. <laughs> right now, this is all Major League Rugby, and this is major stuff. We have a new partner in the ownership of Rugby United New York. Uh, Guy and Ben, you are now on the board of directors, but let's find out who the hell you guys are for the folks at home. Uh, your family, big in the rugby world. Right now, you your uh, your pop Murray, and when you say Murray and a Kiwi, normally in these parts, everybody thinks to fly to the Concords, but your dad could actually own a couple of Concords, so he's a different Murray, Murray Bolton. Yeah, right. So, right. Uh, and that was, you, a, that was a pretty good line. Yeah. Well done. Thank you, well thank done. you. That's why hey, I, get, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. I get yeah, well, you know, you get, it's, it's it was one of my favorite shows. So, but um, you have been in America for a considerable. Part of your lifetime. That's you know, right. You bounced around, right? But yep. okay, so how did you come to settle in the United States? Well, I've just been familiar with uh, with the U.S. since I was a kid. Um, we bounced around uh, not only in in uh, Mexico when I was young, but also uh, in different parts of the U.S. And then uh, went back to school in in New Zealand for secondary schools, and then uh, in college came back to the U.S. Uh, for college. I obviously met my wife here, and. Uh, and settled in in 2003, uh, basically permanently in, in lovely New Jersey. And All right. been there since. But we, 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 we spoke a little bit off camera, and one of the things that I, phoned, I found pretty, pretty interesting was that you were looking to go to university here in the United States, and you found that haven that is Scranton to go to school in. Yeah, that's right. right yeah. And what, how did that happen? Well, the uh, University of Scranton? The University of Scranton, yeah. Look, I... Knowing what I knew about the States, I wanted to be somewhere near New York. Um, Love the state of the city of New York. It's fantastic. I wanted to base myself around New York. Um, I looked for a school that was small. I wanted less than 10,000 people and obviously played rugby and played competitive rugby. So from there, I got the the Big Barons book uh, from the the embassy over in New Zealand and went through and picked out schools and ended up at the University of Scranton. And, I, and I'm sure that they made you kick because you you were the funny talker out in Scranton. Yeah, well, funnily enough, our coach was also Kiwi at the time, um, put me straight into fly half um, and uh, played fly half since then. I mean, I was playing fly half back in, in New Zealand, um, but uh, put me into fly half as well and, and uh, basically played that position. Played some fullback as well, but mainly fly half for, for my college career of rugby. At Scr- Steve, were you the guy that told him yeah. competitive rugby at Scranton? Is that what you? Well, I'm yeah. going to pick you up on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, <laughs> interestingly enough, uh, you're absolutely right because you, you were a fly half that actually played fly half because most other foreigners come here and everyone gets in that slot. You just pretend that's what you can do, right? You end up there. Yeah. I was actually a centre, but 
hit it on as a scummer. I mean, a fly off. Yeah, but I'm sure you handle the kicking duties. As correct. Well. Yeah. 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 He's, Scott, you get the correct. He'll, he'll play it up <laughs> a little bit more as we go along. Uh, you, sir, uh, I don't know a lot about you, other than the fact that you are the one that brought the Boltons into the Rooney family, so to speak, by discovering uh, discovering the raw talent. Rugby United New York, Major League <laughs> Rugby, and then going to these guys, uh, and we'll get to that in a second, but a little bit, ba- little bit of background on you. I, I, okay. Hello, Kiwi. Grew up in New Zealand. Played rugby till I was not good enough to keep playing, which was around 14 or 15. <laughs> Uh, fell off, went to uni. In New Zealand, I started a business. I love when people, you guys say fell off. Like it was his life was over because <laughs> yeah. he stopped playing rugby in New Zealand. And I fell yeah. off and then I was disowned. And, you know. Well, you can only go so far. The game is, the game is hard. But I think in New Zealand, sports so ingrained when you grow up, you play everything. You play cricket, you play soccer, you play tennis, you play basketball, you play rugby. So, like, you tend to drop off some of the sports sure. as you get further along. But around uh, six years ago, I came to the U.S., arrived in New York, and I started building a technology company here, um, and that's what I've been doing the last six years. And when, when I first met James, it was one of the things we, we kind of connected on. I went, you can't run rugby the way it's run in Ireland. You can't run rugby the way it's run in New Zealand. You need to make it its own. And I think, I think that's something he's been really committed to. And I went to the first game. Um, it was a old night. It was a Friday, Friday night. It was good. Yeah. Um, and in the build-up, I was like, well, let's see if anyone else knows about rugby. And so I started speaking with some of my clients, some of my friends. And what I found is a lot of my friends had played rugby, but would never talked about it before because there wasn't rugby on TV to like, yeah. talk about. Yeah. Went to the game. I was quietly apologizing, going, I can't promise this will be good, but like setting low expectations. But the game was really good. Like, I, I was really impressed. This is like a startup. This is more like a technology company than a rugby team in a different country. We're starting from scratch. Everyone's got to find stadiums. You have to find players. You have to figure out the contracts. You have to figure out the health. Like everything is from scratch. He brought this to you guys, and yeah. you guys had experience in ownership with the Blues, formerly the Auckland Blues. I'm not sure what they're being referred to, but but what went wrong there? Because I I. I I've, we talked about this a little bit off camera, and I've, you and I have batted this idea around, and I've always maintained that in the United States, our professional sports are not with that socialist kind of attitude. They're ca- it's capitalist. Every sports fan wants their owner to be able to buy the best player, and it's not about a, 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 some parent company picking which team or what the contract is going to be, and that's kind of what you guys were walking into. Was that the problem, that you, you guys couldn't really do what you wanted to do once you – yeah, look, I mean, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't around the table at the board uh, of what, what was going on with the Blues. Um, I mean, it's still a very successful, thriving um, uh, franchise. So, I mean, there was some governance aspects of things. It was, a very, it was set up very differently than what we're experiencing and seeing here at Rooney. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's hard for me to really comment on what went wrong because I'm not so sure anything did go wrong. Right. It was just maybe... Right. However, the structure and the setup was set up maybe didn't work for that particular moment. Um, but it, it's, it's hard to know because I wasn't not at the table. In the States, the dynamics are very different. Mm-hmm. Like New Zealand is, that's, that's how rugby grew. And so like we all grew up in that structure. It's very like, established. Yeah. And I think a, a good parallel is in the UK in the 90s when they privatized all the teams. They, 
they started off in a similar structure, then went private. And obviously that was a rocky road in the long run better. Still is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like I think New Zealand is trying to figure out what is the next phase of rugby. And when we look at the US, we're like, we're trying to take it from zero to 100 really quick. Cut to now. You guys are just brand new with yep. the team. Uh, we've we've uh, doubled the board of directors, right? It was James yep. and Pierre, and now it's you two and, 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 and Murray, Murray as well. Right? Yes. So it's yep. five, right? So what's the stamp going to be? What's the, new, the NZ stamp going to be on the Rugby United New York franchise? The bottom line is we're here to stay. We're going to put some some things in place, some structures, some some governance, some ordinance, and and uh, and work very closely with the MRL um, to bring New York a great rugby franchise. And that's our goal. That's what we want to achieve. And uh, can we predict that we'll have the shield uh, this year? Is that what you guys want to come right out of the gate and say you're going to win the shield? I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> love to. Absolutely. Obviously, we would love to in yeah. the first year. Let's see how it plays out. Yeah. All right. Okay. Have you been? Always love to. Yeah, been to yeah. Staten Island yet? Yeah. Not yet. Yep. Okay. It, you, it's God's country. Yeah. It's. And you get you know you go no, but don't, it's in January. But it's, it's in, January. but the games are being played out in Coney Island. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's even that's even more well, enriching from a, a cultural standpoint. Yeah. Going to what's it, culturally uh, spiritually fulfilling. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So you got some big stars coming in. You yep. got uh, you got Bastero. You've got one returning in Ben Foden, but you've got a you've got a pretty deep, solid roster. This is you know it's got it's got a lot of funny talkers from the Emerald Isle. Yeah, uh, are we going to see some more Kiwis coming in? Well, I think that's something that we're going to look to establish uh, potentially, um, not only for for New York rugby but also for for the league itself. I mean, I think the the common goal here is to is to bring talent to the table, uh, both from a coaching perspective as well as a player's perspective. Um, and and grow this sport in the United States because it's a it's a fantastic sport. We all love it. Uh, we know it, uh, but a lot of people don't. And and our goal really is to is to try and do that universally yeah. here in the U.S. Where are we building the stadium? Don't know yet. <laughs> but wherever <laughs> we can get it, <laughs> that's not a no. We're not building a stadium. This, yeah, hey, look, if we I if we they, can I build a stadium, and, <laughs> yeah, if all we right. can build a stadium and fill it, that would be perfect. But we don't know yet. Well, first game is going to be in Las Vegas. Uh, that's that's an interesting destination. Fills a void for rugby fans losing the sevens. Are you looking to do that kind of thing? Maybe play some more games on the road that um, might expand the brand? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll work with, with Major League to do exactly that. Um, we'd love to do some internationals in the future. Not necessarily just put it in the U.S., but, but uh, do some some games overseas somewhere. Um, so these are all things that we're going to be looking at and working on over the next year to figure out and uh, see how we can take this brand aboard, abroad, not necessarily just in the U.S. But again, we, it's, it's, it's about building it here yeah. in the U.S. Sure. What yeah. specific hats are you guys going to be wearing? And we're running out of time, but give so me 30 I, seconds. I think the big thing that we really want to do is build on the platform that James has built. Like, the team is running really well. We now need to work on other components like the stadium, running the business. We want to get that up and running as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. We don't want to just be the best sports team. We want to be the best operating sports team as well. That's certainly our short-term goal. Um, and then obviously longer term is, is building an organization that, uh, that, that other people can follow and look at. And, and we can lead by example as, as New York does as a city. Mr. Guy Bolton, Mr. Ben Young, and he's not Ben Young's. 
He's too tall for that, and he's got a different accent, folks. So don't just leave him alone. He's got a better accent. Got a better yes. <laughs> not going to get an English accent. ABE, no. right, Steve? ABE, baby. ABE. We'll talk. Anyone from <laughs> <No>. England? <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more Major League Rugby. And we are back, Matt McCarthy and Steve Lewis, and we are joined by none other than Mr. Derek Lipscomb. Derek is a full-time teacher of our youth, but he's also a player for Rugby United New York. Derek, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me back on. I appreciate it. And Steve, you have some synergy with Mr. Lipscomb. Yes, the loquacious Mr. Lipscomb. What he's always sartorially very elegant. This is probably the only time I'll be overdressed or better dressed than Derek because he is a... <laughs> Uh, he's got his own tailor. He's got multiple tailors. Is it, are you still scarred from wearing that sweater vest at the Rooney match when it was 115 degrees <laughs> you know, outside? I made sure that I was at my best, even though it was all of 90 degrees on that turf. But, uh, you know, looking back at it, you can't tell that I was sweating uh, through my uh, sweater at all. So, you know, so far it's been all right. But, you know, now I know for the future, just wear a polo and be okay. Yeah, but, you know, functional, not fashionable. It's not the way he works. Yeah, it's not it's the way he about rolls. Practicality, you know. Yeah. It's yeah, and uh, if it came in a bottle, everybody would do it, right, Derek? <laughs> of course, <laughs> but you know, it's you, you got to. And learn. you were very good. That was your debut. Uh, as he was the sideline reporter for the Nola match, right? Yep, that's correct. Thanks and, so much. And he was excellent. It was a lot better than that bald guy that normally does it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From the first game, I yeah, imagine. Saggy yeah. old bald guy. <laughs> uh, was, uh, Bruce McLean. No, anyway, uh, wow. love you, Bruce. Those if you back me into a corner, I'm coming out. I don't care who I take down. <laughs> you anyway, uh, you're here for a reason. A, because you're eloquent, and B, you're making us look like we're dressed better than we usually dress today. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't bet, I didn't bet on that. But you're 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 able to offer an interesting perspective because you were a player in the first year for Rooney, year two of the league, and now we're going into year three. Mm-hmm. What what do you what are your thoughts on year two and now year three for Rooney? Uh, you know, just even looking back at year two, you know, you think about when a team's first coming into the foray, how to like really be able to to make a statement, but then also kind of keep some of that uh, energy just from like knowing one another and playing against one another, because now you got a lot of old blue and Nyack guys in one space. Uh, I know, right? So, you know, being able to keep that energy, but being able to focus it as well um, on, you know, one, one primary goal. And, you know, you look at you look back at uh, Rooney's setup and, you know, getting to the semifinals, really being able to to kind of come together, have that stretch, that stretch of time where, you know, they were, you know, we were winning game after game after game yeah. and just being able to deal with the adversity when we're not winning as well and being able to bounce back too. you know, I think overall it was a really great season to start off with. Um, you know, I think for a lot of guys that got their name out there, um, you know, got some interest about um, Rooney and, you know, just rugby in New York in general. And I think, you know, rolling into year three, you've got some of that same chemistry coming in. But now you've got, you know, some of those logistical parts that are actually be starting to get tied together, too. So um, the field at Wagner is a lot better. The facilities there are great. Um, you know, you're not kind of dealing with Randall's, you know, as much as I personally love it and have some sentimental value there. It's sad. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and being able to just kind of dive in, you're, you're coming up with some 
with some uh, skin missing. And so, you know, having practice on that field in comparison to someplace like Wagner, mm. where you have the indoor facility too, if you need to go inside when it's super cold outside, you know, all those small parts matter and, you know, kind of getting those guys ready to kind of roll into the new season too. So um, already, you know, some boxes are being checked. And so, you know, hopefully um, just as Ben and, and Guy pointed out earlier, it's all about building the foundation that James showed up uh, last year. And Steve, from a, a management standpoint, because you have a lot of experience in this this realm, what are you what are you looking at? What are you what is your perspective on year three? Year three. Um, well, you got three new teams. You've got lots of new players all over the shop. Um, the quality of imports is is going up. So there's a significant uptick in quality from year one to year two, right? So whether we're going to see that again, I'm not sure. Uh, I actually think this year. There's going to be some separation in quality between teams. Um, I think for the first time, we're up to 12 teams. I think some teams are going to forge ahead, and a couple will struggle. As with our previous guests, um, Bolted Equities have taken a stake in the New York franchise. You're going to see ownership changes throughout the league. Um, you know, you've seen it already in Utah, where a stake has been taken in that team. Um, there'll be one other fairly significant ownership change coming up, I would suggest, in the coming week or so. Is there anything in particular that you've heard? Heard? I think you heard correctly. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, until it happens, it doesn't happen, right? Right. Um, and, and that's to be expected in any professional, uh, fledgling professional league. You, you're going to see that, and it's a good thing. Fresh capital come in, fresh ideas, all, all good stuff. So, can't wait, right? It's gotta February 8th. Like, you got to like the fact that fresh capital's coming in. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's a great sign. Yeah. I mean, Especially for, you know, just America in general, just because, you know, when you look at some of these teams and how they kind of started, it's really about energy and passion. Just yeah. that, uh, you know, Guy and, and Ben both pointed out, it's about guys that are really wanted to be there um, and being able to put in that time because, you know, otherwise you just got people throwing money at stuff and that's not really going to get you off the ground here. You really do have to spend some of the time there as well, too. Yeah, but the bottom line is that the league doesn't survive. if It doesn't make money from media rights or sponsorship. Right. So in that interim period, until you get there, where you're monetizing that aspect of it, it's, it's personal it's personal investment, right. individual guys. So that's what we've got right now. It's phase one. We're still becoming, hopefully, to the end of phase one. How do you figure all this out? Because you have a full-time job. So, uh, so my contract, you know, Greg and I sat down and got a chance to really kind of hash it out. So for me, at least, uh, you know, if players are injured or, you know, if they do need to kind of beef up the numbers, um, you know, Greg can give me a call and, uh, I, you know, I'll be there. I can move stuff around with my job. And, um, you know, things at Buckley are going great, so great that, you know, it's kind of hard to kind of get away so, from it. Are you saying you get a promotion? <laughs> I mean, so in, Finally. in not so many words, you know, they've, they've heaped them, they heaped some stuff onto my plate, but it's great. Because it's the experience that I need, you know, for me, at least personally, one day I do hope to be able to run a school of my own. So, you know, having this experience is, is always great. And then being able to balance it still with, you know, my athletic ability, um, you know, it can be kind of challenging at times. But, you know, having somebody like Greg come in and really be flexible, you know, Greg that's Williams, what, yes. head coach of Rooney, we're referring to. Yeah. Yes, of course. And so, you know, for for Greg, he's he's been already um you know, super amenable to just my situation, um, and I'm sure for a few other players as well. Um, and it's really great to kind of see that early on that he just trusts me that much. Uh, but you know, being able to go from there 
you know, I, I already know that, you know, I'm going to be more involved in the spring when things lighten up at work and then being able to get back to it, uh, just picking up right where I left off. So I'll still be playing with old blue, but you know, once that phone rings and Greg lets me know that he needs me, then, you know, I'm there immediately. And if not, we can always maybe uh, oh, of course, use yeah. you in the media side. And see me on the sideline yeah. immediately. <laughs> yeah. uh, guys, we got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Major League Rugby after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle on West 36th Street. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, and while Derek and Steve nod off because they think they're off the clock, we do have more to come, but you guys can just relax, and we're going to watch the interview that we got with the Free Jacks owner who was in town stealing signs from Rugby United New York. Check it out. Oh, excuse me, sir. Uh, Excuse me, sir. Sir, aren't you the uh, chairman of the board and co-founder of the New England Free Jacks and Major League Rugby? Uh, Yes, I am. And aren't you also the chairman of the board of the league itself? That's correct. And here you are in New York City. Lovely New York City today. Is there any truth to the rumors that you hired Alex Cora, the uh, embattled Bosox manager, (laughs) after he was accused of stealing signs via a Watergate meets Russian Facebook hacking type technology as per the directive of longtime Sox fan head coach Josh Smith? That was sponsored by Rugby Rapper. You know, we have a big tent in New England. Uh, all are welcome. Uh, I, I'd refer that back up to the staff just to uh, to give us uh, their perspective on that, if you like. So you're not here in New York City to infiltrate Rugby United New York's headquarters and steal their game plan? You know, we don't really feel like we need to get Rooney's strategy. It mostly involves uh, rolling over to the Free Jacks time and time again. So uh, we've already had a few good pregame warm-ups with them. So... Uh, we're feeling pretty good about the matchup. This is a great rivalry. Team's great. The players are great on both sides of the pitch. It's going to be a great match uh, when we meet up in Vegas here in a few weeks uh, to kick off the MLR season. So just excited to be down here. I might spend a little bit of time uh, with Rooney uh, and check out what they've got going on, but nothing but respect for that team. Are you going to be frisked when you walk into their office? Uh, I hear security is actually pretty, uh, pretty light. They let anybody into that operation. That's, that's a whole different conversation. I know. It's like a three-ring circus down there. You love it. It's, uh, if you're a fan and you want to see some great rugby, you know, come down to the league office uh, or come down to the office there at Rooney and see how they run things every day. It's a colorful group of folks uh, excited to, uh, to go down and meet with them today. You've got an MBA from Dartmouth Tuck School of Business, but you've also dabbled in engineering in the heady Dartmouth Thayer School of Engineering. Reading your bio on LinkedIn, biotech entrepreneur, Major League Rugby owner, helping solving the world's biggest long-term problems, one decentralized team and technology at a time. How far into the bioengineering of Free Jacks are you? Is it the embryonic or beta stage? <laughs> We take a really long-term view to everything we're doing uh, with our organization, whether that's on the biotech side or the rugby side. So uh, I try to not comment on the extra competitive advantage we try to maintain. Uh, Let's just say we've been working on this for for a few decades with my partner, Alex Magleby, uh, who also is a Dartmouth grad and an engineer himself. And so we look forward to, uh, to seeing how our plans all play out here in the inaugural season of the Free Jacks, the third season of Major League Rugby. We're just excited to see the team come down and compete on the pitch uh, this year in the season three of Major League Rugby. Magleby is involved in the think tank and will help you tackle the issue of missed tackles. Uh, Yeah, Mags and I uh, played together at Dartmouth, and of course he went on to his illustrious career at the national level and and then in coaching Dartmouth to two sevens titles and 
He's just, uh, he's the brains of our operation. And so I can take no credit for our success. Uh, I certainly can take all the blame for our failures uh, if, if we have any this season. He's really been setting up this whole organization. And of course, then my work up at the league level as the chairman of the board of Major League Rugby, it's been fantastic bringing in George Killebrew as our new commissioner. Uh, to bring to elevate the uh, the league to to one that's more commercially minded, as well as uh, giving a really superior product on the pitch. This year, we're going to deliver 101 really fantastic games of rugby to our rugby community all around the country and in Canada. And we're just excited to see once again how the teams are going to show up in season three and start to establish North American rugby as a real contender in the world rugby landscape. You were able to twist my ridiculous question into a, into a good one, a serious one. And with that, we will segue into some serious questions. Uh, first off, your squad joins Atlanta and DC as the new kids on the MLR block. That makes 12 teams and 12 vastly different ownership groups across a wide range of geographies and challenges. How do you apply your skills to ensure your team is part of a league that can sustain itself and doesn't collapse because of too many chefs in the kitchen? Well, there's a lot of really great chefs in this kitchen. I think what folks need to understand is the structure of the league is actually what gives us strength and really reflects the strength and the value of the rugby community more generally. So the way our 12 owners, who are a diverse group, we're all part of the same entity that's working to build rugby in North America. The ownership group, we all are responsible for our individual teams, but at the end of the day, we're all part of MLR LLC. So really, the strength of that entity uh, is really the individual members working together to make sure the, uh, the organization is successful. And so there's aspects of our business that are behind the scenes that have nothing to do with uh, the rugby we play on the pitch every week. And uh, off the field, we're just all like-minded and pulling in the same direction to build up rugby in North America. And, uh, and on, on that front, the 12 owners, the 12 contenders this year, but the 14 owners growing to 16 the year after that, uh, we're all aligned on that. So my job as the chairman of the board is mainly to make sure everyone gets together on a regular basis and to support George Killebrew, our commissioner, uh, in defining the rules by which we're going to compete on the pitch and really working together collaboratively off the pitch to bring in fans, to bring in sponsors, to expose the rest of North America to this great sport that is rugby. And, uh, you know, it's not too difficult a job to get folks pulling in the same direction because everyone cares about the same things of seeing the growth of the sport at the youth level up to the club and then the professional level. And what you're going to see playing out over the next 20 years in rugby in North America is a building up of that whole pyramid. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, contending in the World Cup in 27 or 31 and beyond, both with Canada and the United States. But at the same time, we're going to be integrated with the global rugby community in the near term as well. So uh, we're just excited about all the players that have come in from overseas, really elevated the game here, while at the same time allow us to connect back to those communities in Japan, in France, in England, in New Zealand, all over the world. It's just, it's a really spectacular group of folks who are working together to do that. So there's going to be 16 teams. There's currently 14 owners. So there's, there's 12 teams in the East and West Conference is how the league is structured this year. So what you're gonna see next year is going to 14 teams. And we as an ownership group and as the commissioner, we're methodically working towards building that, that group of teams. Uh, right now, the current plan is to expand that to 16 the following year, and then we'll go beyond that to 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 make sure we cover the entire uh, part of uh, United States and Canada to make sure there's a team in every location, and that every fan in every city who wants to participate in rugby has a way to do that, and then can be integrated up through uh, the the Major League Rugby pyramid that is North American Rugby. 
Okay, fan interaction. What's the latest on broadcast to replace the likes of an ESPN Plus? You know, I'm going to refer that back to George Killebrew because he's been working behind the scenes uh, with our with the league office uh, to get that in place. And so expect to see some good announcements on that pretty soon here. We spoke to two members of Rooney's new ownership, Guy Bolton and Ben Young. They are referring to the team and the league as a startup business. Startups are right in your wheelhouse, though. Major League Rugby is a startup to some extent. But what, what we actually have here with rugby is we have 800 million fans around the world who know and love rugby. In North America, that number is closer to 30 to 40 million. So what we have is this incredible opportunity to, to expose uh, the North American public to more rugby. And what we know is that rugby works as a product and as a sport. It's a really fantastic TV game, so you can enjoy it whether you're watching it on TV or you're watching it live. Um, the actual experience when you come in and watch a live game is unparalleled. Our fans can come meet the players, meet the coaches, and everyone else. Now, that won't always be true as you get bigger and bigger. You just have a scale problem at that level. But right now, rugby in the United States and in Canada is just spectacular. Do you see 16 teams in five years? Do you see attrition? And what are your feelings on dual ownership of teams like San Diego and Utah? Well, so the, will there be attrition in every major league sport? Uh, there's always been an ebb and flow of teams, whether it's in a particular city where you're finding the right match or it's with a particular ownership group uh, who finds the right match, not only with, uh, with the rest of the, of the owners, but also with the fans, right? So you're going to see that turnover. In the NFL, in the early days, if you look at how many of those teams sort of changed hands and turned over, and some owners stepped back. Uh, the strength of our structure in the league really comes down to the fact that we're all part of the same entity, ultimately. So yes, we, we have our teams uh, with the Free Jacks, um, or, or the other teams with San Diego, Utah. But at the same time, we roll up to the same organization that's all working uh, together to build up rugby in the United States. So there's really no concept of a failure of one of our entities. We as a group may decide uh, with ownership in a particular city, whether it's working out or not working out. And so any owner that wants to take a step back uh, and feel like they don't have the right product or the right infrastructure in their city, the conversation that's happening in the boardroom in the league level is, hey, look, how can we help out? We want to take care of our fans and we want to make sure that there's rugby in all the right cities and connected to the right communities. And so we'll learn as we go. Um, MLR as an entity will not fail. We are, as an ownership set of owners, uh, there, are, there are enough of us that are incredibly well capitalized that can ensure the long-term success of the league. But also, we're a very big tent in bringing in a lot of other uh, parties to be part of that community of the 14 owners. So you're going to see some, uh, some really great developments on that where we can ensure uh, the proper resources being available to the league and in all of these new cities. Final questions. They're a little bit less serious. But is it true that you started to build your fortune being in Old Spice commercials and on the cover of Yacht Magazine? You know, I, I, I would just send you to YouTube and see what you can find and, uh, and, and let me know what you uncover. Okay, just to test your smarts, yours truly got a five-year English degree from the University at Buffalo or the University of Buffalo? At, of course. <laughs> Drat. Mr. Eric Anderson. Chairman of the board of the New England Free Jacks, not a member of the Edmonton Oilers with Wayne Gretzky here in New York City. We appreciate your time, sir. Thanks a lot, Matt. You have a great day. Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap Up on the Street, Major League Rugby Edition. Back to Steve, Derek, and me. All right, so, you know, guys, an impressive guy, impressive organization. Probably went to somewhere like Dartmouth, right? Yeah, he went to Dartmouth, and he's got a zillion businesses, and every single one of them is successful. He's one of those guys, again, I use this phrase, I want to hit him in the face with a bag of nickels. I'm so jealous, you know, but it's great to have these kinds of people involved in professional rugby in the United States. And on that note, gentlemen, we are out of time in this rugby wrap-up, Major League Rugby Weekly Edition for today. On behalf of Mr. Derek Lipscomb, Steve Lewis, and our guests, 
Mr. Guy Bolton and Ben Young and Eric Anderson. I'm Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan. Signing off.